Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Waff. It is March 22nd. Kickstart your Monday and your week. We. I hope you guys made it through your weekend okay. Lots to watch this weekend. Lots of new stuff. Yeah. Falcon and the... Snowman. Winter Soldier. <laughs> and uh, you can watch that and while you're taking your intermission in uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Because holy shit, that movie is long. Stop calling it a movie, first of all. Right. <laughs> they even they even put like title cards in front of it in parts. They like broke it up in like five or six parts. I'm like, well, see, even you know it's a limited run series, so don't call it a movie. Right. There should have been, you know, it's a streaming option. All you had to do was just create one big stream. And then if you for people that want to watch it in one sitting, there it is. If people want to watch it in the parts that you know that it really should have been digested in. I mean, come on, it's from a comic book. Then make it that available to people that way. It should have been. But but the irony for me, of course, is that if I got through part one, I would probably wouldn't watch part two or part three or four or five or six or seven or whatever the fucking caught up to would have been up to. It's like Titanic long, if not longer. It's, yeah. But at least when things were hitting lulls in Titanic, he, he would just show Billy Zane or or they would say <laughs> or they would say Jack and Rose. Jack Rose, Jack Rose, Jack Rose. Yeah. They could have used a little bit of that in Justice League. Although I only made it through 31 minutes. That's a that's not very much. Especially when you consider it's four hours long. <laughs> I just flipped over and watched three more episodes of The Flash and it was fine. Same quality TV. Yeah. But boy, man, this one really focuses on cyborg in a big way. One of the things that was always so difficult to watch with the Whedon version, and I'm not even talking about the storyline, it was cyborg's, his, his suit never looked finished. It's like they didn't have enough time to render out the CG and it always looked really weird. At least in this, it looks good. It looks good. It looks like they had the time to, you know, they weren't bumping up against a theatrical release made a big difference as far as that goes. But yeah, he's a big part of it. I'm not going to get into it. And if you're paying attention to the internet and you don't care about spoilers and you have plenty of stuff spoiled, I just don't want to give it any more time. Because as I said last night, it is the once upon a time in Hollywood of DC movies. That if you don't remember what I said about it, it was this, the last 90 minutes almost makes up for the first two and a half hours. Of course, I'm not talking about, that's what I'm talking about Justice League here. <laughs> It's it's an, an entire movie's worth of entertainment, but it doesn't come till the last 90 minutes. I mean, there's moments in there that are kind of cool, but I would hope so for the duration. I would hope so with somebody with his tenure, right? I expect people to have something somewhat entertaining in spots at, at the very least when you've been making movies that long. So yeah, Justice League, woo! See, you you don't even have to have seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier to know that it was better. No, I could tell already. I could tell by the trailer <laughs> and the fact that Falcon and the Winter Soldier aren't four by three. Yeah. It, there was one shot at the end, and I'm not going to say the, who or what, because again, that's, I don't know. I, look, people are into the movie. I'm not going to spoil anything for them. There's a shot because of the four three, I kept waiting for too much to be seen. Like they didn't crop something out in the top. There was one moment, I swear to you, it's the top of the set. Oh, I'm sure. During the, like almost the very, very end of the movie. So uh, on the 15th of March, we lost a powerhouse of an actor, a man who 
is not just big on screen. He was a big, he was a big guy. Yafik yeah, Koto. Yafik Koto, man. Most of us were introduced to him in Ridley Scott's Alien. Or James Bond. Or James Bond, Live and Let Die, depending on how old you are. I mean, by the time, you know, I was coming up and paying attention to Alien and that kind of stuff, I was like in that pocket, man. I was 10 or just about to turn 10. I'm like, yeah, this is up my alley. But yeah, Live and Let Die probably, you know, playing Mr. Big. Yeah. yeah, man. He was a big, I mean, he was in a, he was in a ton of stuff, man. Yeah. And all, you know, aliens do that's yeah. I mean, him and Harry Dean Stanton almost steal the movie. Totally. And right. Like you don't want those two guys to die. No, no. And he's such a badass in it too. He was just kind of like, I mean, he, to me, he's got, he's always talking about the aliens having, you know, get away from where you bitch is like the best line of the movie or something. Like, one of those, I mean, he's got a lot of great lines in that movie, but when alien, there's, it's not full of a lot of lines, a lot of one-liners. This movie, Alien, has got one line in it. It's all his. When uh, John Hurt, here we are again, John Hurt. <laughs> right, back to John Hurt. When John Hurt is giving birth <laughs> while they're all around having their communal meal after John Hurt was in a coma after the face hugger was finally removed, as, as he's coughing is, to, 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 to John Hurd, Yafakoto's line is, come on, man, this shit ain't that bad. <laughs> Even in my 50s, it yeah. makes me laugh. It's so great. His delivery is perfect. The deliveries, yes. In a movie with Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro, Midnight Run, you think, man, every scene you're in, you, how do you steal a scene when those guys are in it, right? Well, he did it. <laughs> he would right, steal man. every single scene of Marty Bress' Midnight Run. We're eventually going to get to it. It's one of the most mainstream movies that we have that we're still going to talk about, even though other people have talked about it. Because Yeah, because we have to. He really should have been on the poster. You know, we'll get into this when we actually cover the episode, but him and John Ashton, mm. they could have made they could have made a movie with just those two guys. <laughs> right. You know, if you took Eric Stoltz's dad from Some Kind of Wonderful and you made him... A bounty hunter? There he is. That's him. That's right. him. Marv. 100%. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that fucking movie. I, I, I was debating when he was announced that he passed on the 15th. I was almost said to you, Mike, hey, man, should we push the Black Cauldron a week and cover this? And almost the point where we uh, maybe even put the as a kickstart for today. But we really, we, we've been talking about this movie for a while and I think they would have been a little bit disservice just to rush it out. Yeah, it. we would have, yeah, I think we would have shorted ourselves. Unfortunately, I wish it was somewhere and I, and I, and I regretted never buying it on DVD, but the TV show that was on for like about five seasons, I think six seasons. Yeah. It was on NBC called Homicide Life on the Street. Oh yeah, man. He was, you got to get him every week, man. You got him every week. Right. He was. Yeah. The man was just. Dude. If you've ever seen Blue Collar, Paul Schrader's Blue Collar, yeah, it's got three powerhouse performances in it. Everybody's great in it. You know, I'd say it's probably Pryor's best role, his best acting. I want to say it's one of Keitel's, but Yafit Koto really stands out to me in that movie. That yeah. That's, you know, one of the movies that when I was a kid, I saw it because I didn't know anything about it other than Richard Pryor was in it. So I thought it was going to be funny. Right. And it's not. And, uh, <laughs> Oh, it's not, but man, I mean, the performances are, uh, you know, powerhouse, all three of them. And it's yeah. just, it's a movie that doesn't get talked about a lot, but man, you, you want to see some serious Yafit Kodo. That is a title I'd say, you know, seek that out, 
I think, uh, I want to say Kino, maybe someone just released it on Blu-ray uh, within the last year or so. That's out there too. There was moments where movies would show up and like, or movies you haven't seen a lot. That was always something too, when you were kind of Saturday morning, Sunday morning, kind of laying about and, and when, you know, some channel will show something, I don't ever heard of this movie and you're halfway and the movie's half into it. And you're kind of like, oh, whatever, when you're just channel surfing. And this comes on. And though that for me, that movie for me was Brubaker. Yeah. And when Brubaker came on, I was like, oh, look at it. It's Robbie Redford. Let's with it. What is this? Then Yafik comes up and I'm like, holy shit, what the hell is this? And of course, this is a time when there is no IMDb. <laughs> right. So, You're looking at TV Guide. What the fuck You're is scrounging this? for a TV Guide. And it kind of, of course, right. you know, the little TV Guide synopsis doesn't show his name. I'm not, not in uh, Brubaker anyway. Like we were talking about everything he's in, Star Chamber, always memorable, always. Star Chamber, uh, across 110th Street yeah. with him and Anthony yeah. Quinn Oof. from, you know, from 72. I mean, that is a fucking powerhouse of a movie too. Again. And then he returns the genre uh, a little bit with um, one of the Nightmare on Street sequels with Freddy's Dead, The New Nightmare. And he plays the psychiatrist, the doctor to all the kids and the and he's great in that too. He's kind of slumming it because it's not a great movie, but dude, he makes the movie watchable. Yeah. Where's Doc at? I need Doc back. Absolutely. Yeah. He always elevated everything he was in. You know, he brought a little bit of uh, gravitas, yep. if you will, to uh, pretty much everything, you know. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because uh, I think you had said what he hadn't been in a feature film since 2009 or something. Is yeah. that right? 2008. Yeah. That is crazy, man. And yeah, unfortunately, um, it's witless protection. I never saw it. But. Yeah, it's okay. But the thing is, the thing that's kind of a bummer about it is we just talked about Midnight Run belief briefly. He plays a character named Richard Bodai, alias Alonzo Mosley. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the best best joke of the movie. I bet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to suffer through a you know Larry the Cable Guy movie. <laughs> To get to my cameo with him. I just can't do it. I'm sure it's just on YouTube. Maybe I'll just go on YouTube and watch it. But <laughs> just the, just the cameo. Also, another one that I really think he's fun in and that you can kind of get into is is uh, Ralph Winter's The Puppet Masters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's quite good in it. And, and again, this is another one of those Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I feel like I feel like these movies are always being made. Like There's like some variation of this movie being made. But it's really good. Um, Donald Sutherland and Julie Warner and Yafikoto in it. That one's really fun. Yeah, dude. It's, I feel like every he always elevates the material. Now I don't know if you. I don't know if he's enough of, on on screen enough to raise the material that is witless protection. But you know, it's okay. I think it's kind of cute that he's making the somebody that's into watching witless protection is going to even get the reference to to Midnight Run. I don't. Yeah, I would think so. I, Live and let die, like we mentioned, right? Um, now, I almost mentioned this one the other day when we were recording for some, gosh, something wicked this way comes. And that's a Pam Greer movie called Friday Foster. And I was, we were talking about Pam Greer during that episode. I was like, I almost mentioned that movie because of Yafit, because at this point we were obviously already knew he had passed. And I almost mentioned it, but no, 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 let's just save it for Monday when we were talking about it. But Dude, it's such a rad poster too, because <laughs> you know at that time Pam was obviously the draw for this this movie, and that here she is big as life on there. But then you get your little cutout headshots of everybody, and you get your Alfred Cotto, and you get your Ted Lang, man. 
Ted Lang, right? Isaac, baby. Isaac from the Love Boat. That's the second Love Boat reference we made this year. Look at us. Yeah, go. boom. Eartha Kitt also. Then that's see that's what I mean. He 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 came up and it, yes, it's a black exploitation movie. And but I remember seeing this and totally digging it because of the Pam Greer man. Right. Yeah. I mean, but there's some scenes where the two of them are so fucking good. You could throw in Truck Turner. I mean, the guy's everything he was in, he's fucking great in. You know, and you're 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 right when you say he was not just he was a big dude. He was six four, I guess, six four, six yeah. five. He always looks. Yeah. Do you do you remember there was a uh, maybe it was a made for TV movie, but he played Edie Amin. Yeah. Uh, raid. Maybe it was raid on in Tibby. Is that is that right? But I remember when they made the last King of Scotland. Uh, and I remember everybody was all hot, you know, they were praising the Forest Whitaker role. And I was like, God, didn't Alfred Cotto already do this? <laughs> yeah. He, and, that, and that was before Alien, too. Yeah, that was that was back in the 70s, I feel. like Maybe yeah, Charles yeah. Bronson maybe was in it. <laughs> yeah, 77, that one came out. Yeah, man. And it, it's another one of those ones, man. Does this, does this have life? Does this, is this release somewhere? Because I would love to see that, man. What a great poster that is, too. Yeah, totally. I remember. Uh, I remember the VHS box from the you know video store days. That's how I saw yeah. it. We we put it on. You know, we used to put things on in the video store to see how long it would take people to rent them. You know, like was it fifteen minutes. We'd have over under. Yeah. But yeah, man, what a bummer. But hey, man, he left us with all of this, all these movies, man. Right. Quite a legacy for himself. Anything he's in, he's just he commands you to pay attention. Just that's all there is to that. And the reason why I point out that aspect of it, uh, just the way he's drawn to you, the way he steals moments in movies, is because I'm picking my, we're both picking a movie each, and I picked a movie that I think almost everybody has seen, at least this audience probably has seen. Uh, that's uh, Paul Michael Glazer's The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, I picked this one because it is a Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> I picked it because it shows that of what I'm talking about and what you're saying as well, that anytime Yaffa Koto's on screen, even when it's Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1987, when you're looking at him more and you're listening to him, hopefully right at this time, he steals every scene he's in and he's so fucking great in it. And just to revisit it, cause it's a super fun movie, right? It's uh, written by Steven D'Souza, who co-wrote lots of movies from the eighties, including Die Hard. This movie is so much fun. And it's basically all Schwarzenegger's buddies are in there as well. When you see Richard Dawson in this, I mean, how for us, you know, yeah, we know him from Hogan's Heroes, but for most people, it's 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 being the host of Family Feud. Right. So when you're introduced to something like this to him, watching him be a game show host, but an evil, that's not just evil, man. The dude is just a piece of shit. And he plays that part so well. But that's the that's what I'm saying. Everybody in this people laugh at this movie, can make can make jokes about it, but it really is a fucking fun movie, and everybody in it is so good. And in between all the the laughter and everything, and and dark humor, there are really some really high stakes. Uh, I mean, I'm not just talking about lives. You know that that person's life. He's just, he's trying to save himself by winning this particular game. I mean, it just, the cutting back and forth to between what the world sees and the fun that they're having watching what's happening and what's really happening. Because the world doesn't know what they know, what actually is happening to the contestants that don't win and the contestants that do win. They have no idea what's happening to them. And I don't, I don't want to spoil anything in case there's one 
or two of you out there hasn't seen this movie. I think it's one of Yafik Koto's strongest performances. And considering the source material, it's not. Right. It's not as engaging as you might think it would be because <laughs> the book is pretty great. This is a great visualization and adaptation of that. So yes, Yafik Koto in 1987's Running Man. Yeah, man. I think I already kind of, you know, shotgunned all my Yafit Koto. Yeah. Is, but uh, take a look at Across 110th Street uh, if you want to, uh, you know, see some prime 70s cinema. And I, I want to say this is probably also Yafit's first real starring role. And, you know, he's acting opposite Anthony Quinn and uh, Tony Franciosa. This is a really sort of charged you you can really sort of feel it's like a, this movie is a time capsule movie. Like you, you, you go, you can watch this and you can tell, you know, it was right at the end of the Vietnam war. You can feel, you can almost smell the fucking streets of New York. You can tell what's going on. Uh, you can basically, there's movies you can take the pulse of uh, society at the time they were made. And this is certainly one of them. I don't want to get into too much about what, it, but you know, it, it involves a, a murder across 110th street, white cop, black cop. So there's, you know, the racial tensions of the time, uh, this is 72 and, you know, and it's got this sexy ass Bobby Womack song, um, you know, that, uh, Quentin used in uh, Jackie Brown. Right. This is a really solid piece of seventies American cinema, um, that doesn't get as much, you know, it doesn't get talked about the way that the French connection or, you know, things like the seven ups, but you, you could throw it right in the, you know, it's very city Lamette, you know, Barry Shear directed this, but I mean, the two leads are great for Cotto so young in his career, you know, to be going toe to toe with Anthony Quinn and, you know, and more than holding his own, uh, you know, it, it says something about the guy's presence and, about who he was as an actor. And I think Kino just released this not too long ago, maybe last year. I feel I got to go. I could go look at it. I, it was, I'm pretty sure it was Kino and not Twilight Time, who doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. But I did pick it up during the quarantine. But yeah, man, it's it's a super fun movie. Great soundtrack. It's right on the line of black exploitation. It's not quite black exploitation. Like I said, it, it falls right in there with things like The French Connection, Serpico, Seven Ups. So, you know, if, if you got a Jones for that sort of 1970s American cinema, New York cop stuff, man, you, you can't go wrong. And, and you get Yoffit and he's, and he's fantastic in this. Uh, it's available on Pluto if you want, if you want to watch right. it on Pluto and want to wait, which is great. What's rad, I was looking at Pluto and they used the original one sheet on it. That's great, right? Yeah. I've never seen Across 110th Street, so I'm going to have to dig it out and pee it. Because guess what? Everybody's on Pluto. Yeah. And the aspect ratio is proper. Looks like it's 185, which I, I think is accurate. I think that's yeah, no, it no. It's the same as the, as the Blu-ray. And the thing is, it's, I know that song, the Bobby Womack song, so well. Obviously, mostly from Jackie <laughs> from Brown. Jackie Brown. It's hard, kind of hard to avoid it, right? And you hear it a lot in, in, in Jackie Brown. You hear the beginning and the end. I think you hear one other time during one of her moments when she's driving or something like that. See, I've always known about the movie, and I know the song that Bobby Womack wrote and performed for the movie, so I always knew that was there, but I've never seen it. Oh, so man, you, yeah, you, you'll dig it, dude. It's it's so good. I mean, he's so great in it, dude. You're going to freak. And it's like he's great in it, I'm sure. And But I, I love seeing Anthony Quinn playing roles that you're not used to seeing him play. Oh, yeah. And so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing just the two of them together. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, you know, it's one of those movies you're like, you're going to, after you watch it, you're going to be, how did I fucking not see that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it really is. I mean, it's, but it's one of those things. 
I, I remember it was one of those movies that would come on like after football when I was a kid and my dad would always, you know, it'd be on in the background. And then once they dropped it in that Jackie Brown, I was like, I got, there's a movie. I, and then, you know, went back and revisited it. Man, what a kick-ass movie. One other thing I want to close out with too is Yafit reprised his role from Alien playing Parker in a video game called Alien Isolation. It came out in 2014. It was typical survivor. I don't want to say typical, but it was that expected game that you would get for PlayStation 4 and Xbox back in the day. Right. It's a survival horror game, not unlike, you know, Resident Evil, that kind of thing. And it wasn't bad. It was actually pretty fun. And But the thing is, being a fan of the series, of the Alien series, you're looking for all those little things, all those little yeah. you know, Easter eggs. And it's chock full of them. And, uh, I would, and I'm like, wait, I don't know that. And it, it, come on, how many, how long is Ridley Scott's like alien, like the, like with director's cut? Like there's so much shit extra beyond the theatrical. And I'm like, I don't know the, all, uh, the, I know the theatrical really, really well, but I don't know the, the director's cut as much as I know the theatrical. Right. So I couldn't recognize that the dialogue that I was hearing from him was, was new and it was. So I thought that was kind of, cool. you know, what's crazy. Are you looking at the, uh, the box of that thing? Yeah. Doesn't that look like Jillian Anderson inside that helmet? <laughs> yeah. It's funny too, because the thing is that kind of, it's weird is that, you know, Amanda Ripley is Ellen's daughter and, you know, is Ripley's daughter. And they talk about that in, in aliens quite a bit, but then she finds the flat recorder for on the Nostromo. And, and then this is what makes her go into space. It's almost like as if aliens didn't happen yet. Or, right. Or well, it, it would be because, right. Cause her daughter's dead when she wakes up yeah. from when they wake her yeah, up. Yeah. Her and Jonesy. So it's in between aliens and a alien and aliens. Yeah, this is supposed to take place 15 years after Alien. So in so in between the first two. Yeah, that's gotcha. that's actually Amanda on the cover there. Right. The game's okay. I just wish that they made the movie because when you look at the plot for it, you're like, oh man, that would be. I would have loved to have seen that. Oh wow, you get Scarrett, Harry Dean, and Sigourney Weaver too. Yeah. Boys, oh, and Ian Holm. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of groovy. See, I would have loved to make the movie like uh, this game like this now with, like, with VR and, and then have that. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Lots of stuff to digest. Yeah, man. And just appreciate the man's work. He had a long career in, in television movies and creeped into video games in, in 2014. And he is somebody that... People, a lot of people don't know his name. That's another thing too. I was thinking about. You know his face. Yeah. Even if you don't know his name, you're going to see him. And be like, oh, right, right. And his voice. His voice is so distinct. So distinct. Before Charles Dutton, there was Yafit Kodo. <laughs> that's how I always yes, look at it. That's perfect. R.I.P. My friend. Rest in peace, sir. Thank you for all the performances that you've given us over the years. Unselfish man too, from what yeah the accolades I was seeing too since he passed. Some one particular from Sigourney that one just like struck me like surprisingly made me emotional. Oof. Yeah, man. He yeah. he certainly he certainly was loved and will be missed uh, by you know pretty. It looks you know everybody who worked with him uh, has come out had a nice little story and little touching little things to say about him. So it's one of those things you don't really realize how long. He'd been sort of, I mean, God, that's like 13 years really since we'd seen him in anything. 
If uh, you want to follow us on Letterboxd, uh, I'm at Corey underscore Culp. And if you want to support the show on Patreon, thank you, Patreon supporters. That's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow Freddie, you can follow me at Alonzo Mosley, FBI. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Uh, Tom Cody at Letterboxd. That's Tom Cody. Cody. very moving for me. It's moving me so much to me. I cannot tell you. Uh, and to the world, because it's a classic. Um, a short story. It, during the March on Washington, I stood there with, uh, at the steps watching Dr. King talk about his dream and wondered whether or not I would ever see that dream so far from my goal. And then about eight years ago, I had some time off from homicide. And I went to DC with my, my daughter, who had played on that, around that ship, my oldest daughter who run around on that very ship. She's a lawyer today. And, and we went to the spot where we were, I was standing, and I was telling her how years before, I had stood there listening to Dr. King's speech. And it, and a, um, a bus pulled up with uh, a bunch of children from Japan. And they ran out, got out of the bus and they ran towards me. And they were, I, I couldn't understand what they were speaking, I was speaking their language. But there was one thing I, that blew me away, was the fact that they all were saying one word, alien. <laughs> <laughs> and at that moment, it was so spooky because I'd realized that the dream had come true. I was now known all throughout the world. The movie opened the door up for women. Never before in the history of movies have we seen a heroic woman do what Sigourney did. In that movie. And all other movies after that portrayed women in those heroic worlds. And it was the first time an African-American had been seen uh, in, in a role like that. Uh, and so today, we see, we see women and African-Americans in those heroic roles because of this man right here. Thank you, Ridley. God bless you.